Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. You are Locked On Raptors, your daily Toronto Raptors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there and welcome to episode number 177 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, July 17th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean and the show is on Twitter as well, Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Locked On Raptors is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke. You can find those all together, as always, on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Our show as well, Locked On Raptors, is on iTunes on its own separate page. You can leave a rating or review on the iTunes page, and that's the easiest way to help out the show, to show that you care. I really do appreciate any feedback that comes through there. It uh, helps out a lot, helps to make us more visible, helps people discover the show, and it's a great way. It's very easy, takes no money, takes very little time uh, to help out the show. All right, on today's show, there's nothing going on. Um, yeah, it's been a few days since the last one. I think we're safely into the uh, you know, the part of this, the off season where I'm going to do three shows a week and not uh, the whole five-show slate each week just because there's, there's not a lot to talk about. Um, the Raptors haven't really done anything. Uh, Summer League ended. The Raptors lost as the number one seed to the 16-seeded Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I don't know what happened there. Uh, they had the consolation game where they didn't really play anybody. That didn't end well either, I don't think. So the Raptors wrapped up Summer League now, 3-2. Uh, and two, and uh, yeah, I guess we move on. Like, There's not a whole lot to take from Summer League, I guess. Alfonso McKinney is going to be on the team, it seems. Or at least he's going to have a shot to make the team in training camp. Uh, I'd be surprised if he wasn't at this point, actually, because the Raptors only have 13 guys under contract, so they'll have to put someone on the roster, um, and I'm assuming McKinney's going to be that guy. And then, yeah, you look at, you know, Pascal Siakam showed some nice things in the round robin. The first three games, he, you know, did some stuff with the ball in his hands. He shot, I think, three of seven from deep. Uh, looked pretty good and comfortable and more, you know, sort of refined offensively than, than he was really ever given the opportunity to during the the regular season with the Raptors. Or he, I mean, he, he did kind of the same thing he did in Summer League with the 905, but never really got a seat on the NBA level. And then Jakob Pertl was his regular steady kind of unassuming self. Fred Van Vliet was really good. I'm kind of encouraged about Fred Van Vliet as the backup or backup to the backup point guard on the Raptors. Um, you know, he might be one of the better shooters on the team already, so that's nice uh, to have that little guy in the back of your mind. If you need a shooter on the floor for whatever reason, you can throw him out there. Maybe a bit of a different look if you want to go with a two-point guard lineup uh, instead of DeLon Wright, but it might be a little bit small to go both Lowry and Fred Van Vliet in the backcourt. But, I mean, a Van Vliet right backcourt in some situations, maybe you can get away with that. Who knows? Um... Yeah, so we are at this point now where there's just nothing going on. Luke Richard Baamute was a guy that I think most people wanted the Raptors to try to sign. He ended up signing with the Houston Rockets for a minimum deal, and that's uh, a nice little piece for the Rockets. Uh, here's the thing with Baamute is that, like, I would have been okay if the Raptors had signed him, and I'm okay if the Raptors signed somebody else, I suppose, but I'm also kind of in the camp of... Raptors don't have to sign anybody else. Like, we're at this point with the Raptors roster where you look it up and down, and yes, there's some holes. Yes, the three and four spots are a little iffy after your top three wings. You know, after after Norm Powell, DeMar DeRozan, and CJ Miles, there's not much in the way of depth on the wings, especially until OG Ananobi comes back. I mean, Bruno Caboclo, I'm, I, I think he's going to get real minutes this year. I'd be surprised if he didn't, just because 
This feels like a season where development's going to be prioritized. It's going to be a season where the Raptors win a bunch of games, I'm pretty sure. But I also think the Raptors are going to try to get, you know, minutes in for their young guys whenever they can. And I think Bruno's probably going to play a little bit at least, although I think he's more of a four. Um, but no, it, it, there's not a ton of depth there. And, you know, maybe you'd want to bring another guy to sort of augment the roster and just sort of give you some insurance if someone goes down with an injury or if Norm Powell struggles or whoever. Um, but I, I just think this season should be about development. And I, I think this team is good enough. The Eastern Conference is bad enough that the Raptors can afford to put more stock and more resources into developing their young guys. They have eight guys on rookie deals. You know, you want to see what you have in these guys before they start to get expensive. I mean, Norm Powell is going to get paid after this season. Delon Wright's only one year away from being extension eligible. And these guys, like, their rookie deals kind of come up quick. So I want to see what the Raptors have in these guys. And to just get minutes for them, I think, is going to be the way to go about it. And, you know, a guy like Luke Richard Bamute or, you know, I don't know, Boris Diaw or whoever the hell the Raptors bring in, you know, in this hypothetical scenario, if they're looking to add a veteran, like, these guys are just going to take minutes from young guys. And they might be worse than what the young guys could be. Uh, you know, Boris Diaw is not really good anymore. He wasn't good last season. He, yes, he can pass a little bit, and, or pass a lot. He's a very good passer. But, like, other than that, he was pretty bad defensively for the Jazz. Like, he was just whatever. He's guy. He would be, like, essentially Luis Scola, I think, where probably a little bit over the hill, good enough to sort of fill in some minutes for you, but, like, never going to be on the floor in the important parts of a game, never going to be an impactful player in the playoffs. And if you're not going to have a guy who's going to help you in the playoffs, then what's the point? in sort of taking 10 minutes a game from guys who could otherwise use it, like Pascal Siakam or Bruno Caboclo. Um, I'd just rather see those guys get the run this season, and I think this season could be a slow build. If the Raptors start off slow because they're working in their young guys and seeing what they have, that's fine. And as the season goes on, you know they'll have ways to improve the team if they want to try to offload a little salary and bring back a little bit more salary, like say Lucas Noguera, like they can use that trade exception or both trade exceptions they have, probably the smaller one I suppose with Corey Joseph and you know under the hard cap they won't be able to use the entire thing even if they do offload uh, Lucas Noguera in a deal just because you know they're right up near the hard cap they're like three, depending on incentives they're between three and a half and five million bucks away from the hard cap right now um, so there's only so much you can do and only so good a player you can get with the trade exception in the middle of the season but that's something the Raptors can use if they feel like they need to up upgrade the roster maybe they trade a young guy, use the trade exception who knows to try to you know fill out the roster a little bit better and more prepared for the playoffs but again I've mentioned this before and I kind of think this is just the case the Raptors don't have to worry about like going forward and you know having this season be everything like they have set up this window here where 2018-19 can be their go all in year and that's another year for these young guys to develop and I just I'm okay if the Raptors sit out for agency now and you know at this point yeah it's like kind of boring the Raptors don't seem like they're going to do anything I would expect that they're probably done for now and, uh, you know, there's no one else out there anyway. Like, there's Boris Diaw and Shabazz Muhammad and a lot of guys who... There's a lot of guys who are, are just going to be out of NBA jobs, I think, because there's not a lot of cap space left. And there's just not that many jobs around. Like, there's not that many open spots on rosters or cap space or whatever for a lot of these guys that are, you know, NBA players probably. But I don't know where they're going to fit in. So I guess we'll see. But... I don't think any of them are going to fit in on the Raptors. So let's get to your questions today. Uh, do the mailbag podcast. Uh, hopefully later in the week I'll have a couple guests, which I'll uh, tease. I won't spoil who I'm hoping to try to line up or whoever, but uh, guests later in the week, guests throughout the offseason, I'm guessing, hopefully. Uh, otherwise, I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. But uh, let's get to your questions here. And I'm just warning, like a lot of these questions are not basketball, and I ask for that because there's nothing going on. So why not have some fun? And, uh, yeah, let's get into it now. First one here from Robert Flom, at Ridge Homie Flom. Labatt or Molson? Um, I mean, let's get this out of the way. Both Labatt and Molson beers are not good. Um, they're essentially just glorified water. Um, but if I had to pick, 
I'm getting, I'm taking Labatt, because Labatt has Labatt 50, and Labatt 50 is my favorite cheap, crappy beer at a bar. Uh, during the Raptors playoffs, uh, the, or the, the, during the, I guess it was mostly, I was covering Raptors playoff games, but during the Leafs playoffs, uh, we'd go to this bar called Hurricanes near my house, and Labatt 50 was my go-to choice, um, and I'd do that during the Blue Jays playoffs as well. Labatt 50 was my playoff baseball beer. Big fan of Labatt 50 as a really crap, you know, very bad beer, but it's the least of a lot of, least bad of a lot of really crappy options. Molson, I, like Molson Canadian, just doesn't do it for me. Um, I, 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 that was kind of the beer I drank the most in high school, which probably uh, actually I didn't drink in high school. What are you talking about? That's illegal. Um, but it was the the beer I drank mostly when I was like a younger kid and uh, just getting into the world of beer. And yeah, it's I think it's in Canada. It's kind of the the initiating beer for everybody. And no, not for me. You know, Molson Canadian cold shots. Those are the worst things in the world. Never heard of cold shots before. They're like these little tiny Red Bull cans of like 7.5% alcohol beer and uh, they were a good way to ruin a night back in the day and just didn't taste very good at all. It just kind of tasted like urine. Um, yeah, no, Labatt for me just because they have Labatt 50 on their roster of very bad beers and uh, yeah, just drink better stuff. Drink stuff that actually has love put into it, I suppose. I'm hopefully going to get some beer people to sponsor the podcast. If you're, a, if you're a beer company out there, if you work for a beer company, Get at me about uh, sponsoring the podcast. I'd love to have you because uh, why not sponsor things that I endorse and drink a lot of? I don't know. And now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you. Next question here from Dan Grant at G. If you had a million dollars cash right now, would you live the rest of your life as Ween Sudley? Uh, that's obviously just changing the W and the S in my first and last name. Um, I... I don't think I'd want to live as Ween Sudley. I don't think I could do it. I think I'd probably not take the million dollars. I've lived my life so far not having much money. I feel like I can continue to do it a little bit longer and not change my name to that ridiculous name. That's a pretty easy decision for me. Next question here from VTech Poppy at Lilmo23. Why are you anti-summer? Got any summer hot takes to melt the timeline? Um, I'm not going to melt the timeline, but I'm going to melt like... I'm already melting myself, actually, because summer is terrible. I've been over this. Summer sucks. Um, I just went to walk to get ice cream with my roommate. That was like the only good thing that, that that's like the one good thing that summer offers. Like, here's the thing. Summer activities are good. I guess I, I'm sort of screwing up here. Like summer activities are good. Summer weather is terrible. Like I would do the, the activities you do in the summer all the damn time. I just prefer the weather would be like 12 degrees while I'm doing them. And I don't think you need to be in shorts and a t-shirt to enjoy these things. Like I can sit on a patio with a sweater and pants in 12 degree weather. That's great. Um, I, I just, summer weather is just so bad and just sticky and hot and like skin cancer from the sun and all that stuff. And you have to wear sunscreen. Like there's this like sludge that builds up between sweat and sunscreen because I'm a sweaty dude who hates the summer, gets super hot and then wear sunscreen because I don't want to get skin cancer. And then I get this like really gross sludge that builds up. That's like this mix of sunscreen and sweat. And it's like, this isn't enjoyable. I'd rather just be like comfortable 12 degrees all year round, man. Uh, my girlfriend's in Iceland right now, and, like, it just sounds wonderful. It's, like, foggy and dreary and 12 degrees. It sounds fantastic. I just want to go live in Iceland or Portland 
uh, or like Seattle. I guess the rain is a, is a little bit much, but no, I would take 12 degrees year-round and just a little bit extra rain. Give me Portland, Oregon, all year-round. Um, yeah, summer's bad. I Like, again, summer activities are great. Like, I like to go out and I like to, uh, you know, whatever you do in the summer, go fish. Although cottages kind of suck. Um, I guess that's my hottest summer take is that cottages are kind of bad. Everything, there's like bugs everywhere. You have to like there's sand all over the place. Lakes, like northern lakes, suck. They're black. They have weeds throughout them. Uh, you have nothing. You have no idea what's in there when you jump in. Um, you, when you're climbing up a dock, docks are all green and like slippery. Not a big fan of docks uh, or or just like boats. Oh, like going on boats is terrible. Like you're just the rocking back and forth in the wind. You have to, like, pee over the side if you have to go pee. Um, you know, one time I went to my girlfriend's, uh, like, family's cottage, and we ended up going on, like, this four-hour boat ride. And we went four hours one, or, like, two and a half hours one way. Uh, and then we're like, okay, well, we're, we're here already, and we have to go all the way back uh, the, to the, the like, equidistant back to where we went. And, like, we made less stops, I suppose. But still, it was, like, an hour and a half, two hours to get back. And she's like, this isn't fun. Like, we're just, you know, driving through water with the this... I feel like the risk of boat collisions is a lot higher than the risk of car collisions, although it's probably not statistically true. Um, like, fishing sucks. You get your hands all gross, and you sit, you throw a line in and just wait for a fish to, that you're probably going to put back anyway. And if you do get it, you're not going to know how to, you know, if you, if you decide to keep the fish, you're not going to know how to properly gut it and clean it and then cook it up properly. Like, I can cook fish just fine. I just have it served to me. Uh, you know, I buy the, the pieces of fish that I'm going to cook, at the store because I don't know how to actually fillet a fish. Um, yeah, so fishing's bad. You wait, wait forever for fish to come. And I, like my family loves fishing. They love cottages. They love going north. It's all bad. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of like that. That's the worst part of summer, I think. If that's my hot summer take. Is that cottages kind of suck. They're good for like drinking. I like campfires and stuff. But just like keep me away from the water. Keep me away from like any cottage that doesn't have air conditioning that I can escape to. I don't know. It's just not for me. Um, it's too hot all the time, man. I need an escape. I need to just not be hot. I'm sitting in my room right now with a fan on me and just dying. And, uh, yeah, my room, my, my place where we don't have air conditioning except for, like, a, a unit in the living room is, like, it very much reminds me of a cottage at times, except it's, like, I, we don't have to go fishing and stuff, so it's much better. Um, and you can just, like, walk to a bar and, like, walk to civilization without having to have, have it be an ordeal. So, I don't know. Just screw cottages. The summer's bad. Let's get fall here already. There's no basketball in the summer either, I suppose. If that, like, I don't have anything else to do. Like, I just want to watch basketball. Anyway. Um, next one here from Eric Morris at Eric er, Epic Moppus. That, that's a confusing-ass Twitter handle. But thanks, Eric, for the question. I'm a Raptors fan in Knoxville, Tennessee. What's something you're a fan of that nobody around you understands? Interesting. Um, I'm actually a Tennessee Titans fan. Uh, it's a little bit of change of, uh, I don't know, just swapping what we should be fans of here, I suppose. I'm a Titans fan. I became a Titans fan in, like, 1999. The first football game I ever watched was the Music City Miracle, which was this game where uh, the Tennessee Titans were down with, like, 14 seconds left on the clock, Ret- returned a-, a kickoff from Buffalo, and returned the, uh, or had, like, a nice lateral play, and then ran it in for a touchdown. There was some controversy as to whether or not the lateral rat- lateral was a backward pass or not, not- pass or not. It was uh, absolutely a backward pass, and the the Titans ended up winning on that crazy return. And from then on, I watched that game at my grandparents' house with my uncle there as well, and a bunch of like Bills fans who were my uncle's friends, and they were all heartbroken. And I was just like, wow, that was amazing. I'm a Titans fan now. This is great. They went to the Super Bowl that year, 
haven't been really good since then at all. Like a couple playoff playoff appearances here and there. They went like 13 and three in like 08, but Vince Young, uh, not so good, and they screwed up in the playoffs, lost to the Chargers, I think. And uh, so yeah, I don't know why I'm a Titans fan still. They're really bad. Although this season they look like they're going to be pretty good. Marcus Mariota, hope your legs okay, buddy. Um, I have a Marcus Mariota jersey. Eddie George was the first jersey of any sport that I ever owned back in the day. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I'm a Titans fan, and uh, it's weird, but uh, I, I love them for some reason, and uh, here's hoping they're good this year. Uh, so, yeah, I understand, Eric. I, I know what it's like to be a fan of a team in a weird location, and uh, happy we have someone from Knoxville, Tennessee, who's a fan. Next one uh, from Lou Brown 34 Pod the Bod Pain. Uh, all right, we're getting up into this Game of Thrones stuff, I suppose. Best and worst moments from last night's Game of Thrones episode. I don't want to spoil stuff here. Um, like, okay, I'll just put the, I'll talk for like two minutes about this. If you don't want to, you know, hear this, you can fast forward or like, this is probably the last question anyway, so you can just go to the end if you want. Um, yeah, best and worst moments from Game of Thrones last night. I mean, it was all really good. Give me some Euron Greyjoy, man. That guy was like kind of blah in the last season but this season he seems like here's the thing about game of thrones is like there's a lot of really just like completely unlikable villains which is one thing that i think it does kind of poorly is that you know most shows villains can be sort of portrayed as being both like good and evil and it's kind of hard to say whether or not they're good or bad like the wire for example there's a lot of people who like by their actions are genuinely terrible people but you root for them same with like the sopranos same with breaking bad i mean people root for walter white that dude is a maniacal asshole but you know people root for walter white in that show at times i guess by the end he kind of becomes a character you're rooting against but you know for a lot of that show he's the protagonist that you're rooting for and same with jesse um, so the one thing about Game of Thrones that I think it would be my critique of it is that they, a lot of their villains are just like, they're villains and they're not likable whatsoever. Like Ramsey Bolton is just the crappiest character ever. There's no redeeming qualities about him. Nothing that makes you even sort of question whether or not you want to root for him at all, which is a bummer to me. Same thing happens with like Roose Bolton and, you know, a bunch of different guys. I mean, even, even Cersei, like I like Cersei, like Cersei is so insane that I kind of like, I kind of dig it. Uh, but I mostly kind of like her because Jamie is, a, is an interesting character to me, a very complex character character to me. Um, and Cersei, like, she's not so complex. She's like, she loves her kids and she hates anyone who doesn't love her or her kids and is going to kill you if, uh, if you cross her. And, like, that's very simple. But the way, I guess, uh, the sort of epic nature of what she does is cool. But, like, even she's not really, like, a, you know, a multiplicitous character, like... So I'm glad that Euron Greyjoy is kicking around now. He seems like, he does seem like a complete asshole, but he seems like an endearing one, like a cool pirate type. Uh, more like, a, just like a R-rated Jack Sparrow or something like that. I don't know. I'm cool with that. Like, he said, he, I mean, he could get terrible. He could become just, like, the worst person in the world. But, like, it's hard to be worse than, like, Ramsay Bolton was. Um, so, and, like, Walter Frey and all these, like, all the villains in Game of Thrones are just, like, not at all, you know, layered. It's, this, this guy's terrible. You should hate him. And I kind of like that there's someone who's bad who I can kind of root for, I think. Um, so, yeah, give me some Euron Greyjoy. That's my favorite part of that episode last night, probably. The Hound stuff is great. Uh, the Hound's a fantastic character, and I really like that he's hanging out with the Brotherhood Without Banners now. Um, it seems like a very interesting plotline that I, I can't wait for them to meet Tormund at the Wall. And, again, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling anything, but I already warned you, so why am I saying sorry? Um... Yeah, I just, I kind of like the episodes, because I do feel like upcoming, it's going to get really sort of fast-paced, and that was a, a problem I had a little bit with season six, is that, 
you know, things just kind of happened really quickly and it kind of abandoned how the show is typically operated, where it's a nice slow build. Things happen, like, every episode, but you don't really notice it because it's just a slow build where, you know, there's a reason behind everything that's happening. Like, Cersei blows up the Sept of Baylor because of a lot of things that led up to it, and it was perfectly planned, and it, like, it felt earned that you could do some, like, crazy set piece like that. It felt like it was, like, an earned thing that you could do. Um, whereas, like, you know, some of the stuff at the end of the season where, like, Varys is, like, crossing the ocean in, like, two, like, two times in one episode, like, that seemed like a little bit of just, like, rushing it to me. Um, just, like, a lot of stuff. It just kind of felt, it was a little briskly paced that I kind of liked the slow build of Game of Thrones. And I'm expecting that to change a little bit because there's only 12 episodes left now. There's a lot of stuff that has to be figured out. But I do like that there was sort of one last episode, it seems, where they kind of laid everything out. And, like, you see exactly sort of all the pieces that are still in play. The board is kind of shrinking now. You're down to just Westeros. Like, you're not really dealing with the people in Marine anymore, which is lovely. Um, Essos is kind of off the map, and it's shrinking down. And I think it's just going to continue to shrink as, you know, different conflicts resolve themselves. And uh, that's the thing I like right now. It felt very focused. And yesterday's episode was perfect of just, like, okay, this person is important. Here's 10 minutes on them. This person's important. Here's 10 minutes on them. And, uh, yeah, I like how it kind of put everything into focus, and it's still so sprawling, still. I mean, there's, what, like, six or seven different lo locations where you're, like, actually paying attention to what's going on. But I, I do like how it's just, like, a slow episode, and I think we're going to get some crazy stuff. And, like, the fact that it opened off with that Arya scene is, uh, is a nice little bump up, because I feel like a lot of people were really anticipating, like, a big, you know, you know smashing, you know, first episode... And the fact that it started off with that as a cold open was amazing, and I think it kind of bought the leeway to be a little bit more of a plotting episode after that. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for what's going ha going to happen going forward. And uh, I, I don't know, I'm not an, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but that's kind of my you know little rundown of Game of Thrones. All right, um, I guess that's gonna do it for today. There's not much else to talk about. Again, like the the Raptors are if the Raptors do anything, I'll let you know tomorrow. Actually, uh, CJ Miles is gonna be introduced uh, along with Masai Ujiri. They're going to address the media, I think, tomorrow at 3.15 if you want to tune in for that, I guess, online or whatever. Um, so that'll happen. I'll probably have a little write-up at Raptors HQ at some point. I'll do a Facebook Live probably on Raptors HQ at some point, too. I'm not sure what I'm going to do them about, but, like, i got to get them in. And uh, so, yeah, stay tuned for that as well, I suppose. And, you know, I wrote today a mailbag podcast – or mailbag. If you want to hear a mailbag that's actually about basketball, read it on RaptorsHQ.com. I answered a few questions there. Um, and, yeah, there's uh, – there, we're just in the in the midst of just trying to uh, – I think trying to adjust to the post-free agency world where there's not much going on. And, like, there's not even much international basketball this summer, I don't think, either. I mean, there'll be some stuff, I suppose. But, like, that, that usually is a good way to kill a month or so of the summer. This summer might be a little barren, and we'll, we'll find ways to do it. I'm excited for what I can try to do on this podcast. I'm going to try to get some interesting guests and uh, try to fill up the summer that way, and hopefully people are a little more you know receptive to talking during the summer where things are a little less crazy for them. So I'll, I'll look for some good guests. Keep an eye out there. Um, and, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Follow the show at Locked on Raptors. Thanks for listening to this really long and weird mailbag where I didn't really talk about anything that related to basketball, but, you know, that's what we're going to do this summer, and I, I'm okay to, you know, open it up to sort of get into more stuff as well, because, like, I don't know, I, I'm a person who has multiple interests, um, it doesn't really come off that way, because I'm always talking about the Raptors, but, like, I'm cool to talk about other stuff, too, and I'll do some more crowdsourcing episodes and things like that, if you have suggestions for what you want to hear this summer, let me know, and, uh, we can try to fill the time that way. All right, thank you so much. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Follow the show at Locked On Raptors. Go to the iTunes page. Do all that stuff. Yada yada yada. Uh, everybody, thank you. Have a, have a great night, everybody. We'll probably talk to you on Wednesday. I'm thinking, unless something happens crazy on Tuesday. 
And uh, until then, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you then. Cheers.